Welcome to the CDM Podcast, a production of Contagious Disciple Making. We exist to catalyze movement through coaching, community, and communication. We created this podcast to help everyday Christians to become world-changing disciple makers. The following episode is part of a live event from Giving Tuesday that Paul and Rebecca were a part of. We hope you enjoy this episode. Guys, we've been talking about things like the disciple making community and uh, and how that, had, you know, the, the boys were taking that and even Justin was using that concept to be able to mobilize people who know Jesus to be able to actually go out there and start discovery Bible studies of their own. Most people, uh, like I said, they take the discovery Bible study and they they try to do them with believers, but it's just not enough for people who have who are already Christians who have already come to from a Christian culture because most of us don't already have meaningful uh, relationships with those that don't know Jesus. And so when we try to help and share and things like that, we don't have anyone that we can very comfortably share stories with or anything like that because, um, you know, we will be, uh, it, 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 it's, it's not natural. They don't have those relationships. So what we've done is we, cre- we created something we call the disciple making community in order to be able to combine prayer practices with the discovery Bible study with the conversation quadrants that we talked about in our first live session to be able to help develop relationships with people that don't know Jesus, that we sit around and say, who can we be able to engage? And how are our conversations progressing? Are they getting deeper and deeper, more meaningful? And in places to where we can share stories that connect with where they are and what's happening so that they'll want to read the Bible for themselves. And so we believe that these disciple-making communities are going to be the thing that's going to uh, help activate a lot of the church here in North America and around the world. We believe that this is a, you know, uh, in our churches, we want to be able to equip all those around us to be able to, to do that. And so what we're doing is we're going to church and saying, listen, Legacy Church, you know, we believe that you, that we still have a role, a major role in seeing movement happen in our cities that's something that makes us very different than a lot of other organizations is that we believe that the legacy church can be a powerhouse and a catalyst for movement. And how we do that is we equip people to go out and make disciples during the week, you know, and, and stop expecting it to happen solely within the walls of the church and to go out there where they are and meet them. And so we, we help t- turn a lot of small groups into disciple making communities where they they pray together, they learn together, and then they engage uh, people who don't know Jesus out in their communities and pray over them. And so uh, real fast, right right before we bring on our next people, uh, we want to be able to show you our disciple make uh, our, our whiteboard video on the disciple making community so that you can get a picture of what uh, uh, several of these people have started doing in and in through their churches. Disciple-making wasn't meant to be done alone. As disciple-makers, we need a community who will join us in making disciples where we are. But many Christians often struggle to have meaningful interactions with people who don't know Jesus. They need more help in developing habits and how to live out the Great Commission and Great Commandments within their everyday life. That's where the disciple-making community comes in. What is a DMC? 
A DMC is a group of believers who practice daily habits that lead them to obey all God's commands and love their neighbors in such a way that it gives them opportunities to help others discover God through reading His Word for themselves. Why a DMC and not just a DBS? Believers need their own space to learn a new way of living the Christian life, while unbelievers need their own space to discover God. A DMC will be asked to make several commitments. A commitment to action-focused learning. A DMC focuses on personal change. Each meeting, DMC members determine their next steps in making disciples to be taken over the next one or two weeks. A commitment to prayer. Members pray daily with each other for challenges and their specific goals for making disciples. A commitment to engaging the lost. A DMC learns how to build relationships with unbelievers and have good conversations that lead them to start Discovery Bible Studies. A commitment to meeting needs in the community. DMC members help those in their communities around them each week. Loving neighbors opens hearts to having good conversations about God and the Bible. A commitment to positive accountability and celebration. A DMC creates a culture of growth by discussing the results of every commitment made from the previous meeting. They celebrate progress and troubleshoot problems with any issues that arise. What does a DMC meeting look like? The DMC meeting uses activity-based tools rather than educational material. Focusing on tools leads participants to take simple actions throughout the week and makes it easier for them to show others how to make disciples. DMC meeting is made up of three tools, the prayer calendar, discovery Bible study, and the conversation quadrants. Tool number one, the prayer calendar. The prayer calendar guides members to call or text one person per day to pray with them. At the beginning of each meeting, members tell stories about how God is working through their prayer calendars. They celebrate answers to prayer and stories of showing care and concern. Tool number two, Discovery Bible Study. Participants practice the same DBS process and scripture list they will use with their unbelieving friends. The DBS process itself will guide participants to help others, obey, and share the stories, which will help them take steps in reaching their coworkers, friends, and neighbors. Tool number three, Conversation Quadrants. The Conversation Quadrants help Christians intentionally engage with non-believers and share stories from the Bible with them naturally in everyday conversation. It teaches them how to pray specifically for deeper conversations that lead to DBS. It provides coaching and group learning opportunities to solve issues and generate ideas. Together, as we change daily habits, Imagine the transformation that will happen not only within our own lives, but within the communities around us. Habits like praying together, spending time with and loving the lost, and sharing stories from the Bible will result in miraculous answers to prayer, improved communities, and multiplying discovery Bible studies with unbelievers. As we work alongside each other, we will see families baptized, God's kingdom realized, and His will done right here in our own neighborhoods. So in our uh, testimony with Justin earlier and also with Ben and Kingsley, they you heard them talk about simple habits, simple disciple-making habits, and that if we were to simply employ those simple disciple-making habits in our lives, then we would be able to see that these Discovery Bible studies started, that we'll be able to see transform, transformation happen in our cities because we're reaching out and loving people and making a difference in those ways. And so simple habits of prayer that will allow us to be able to see, you know, um, answers to prayer happen in and all around us. 
And so that's why we're going to, you know, uh, it, it, the power of just having helping people walk along them and alongside them throughout the United States and North America and even the world and say, how can not only you develop these disciple making habits, but how can those around you and in your church develop these particular habits? And that's where these friends that are coming in here right now uh, in this moment, that's where they've been, is that they've been taking these habits and helping people within their churches learn them and to start disciple making communities as well to be able to see that happen. Yeah, as they're coming in, I just want to sit there and say, we believe strongly that the revival the church has been praying for for oh so long will not come because um, we're hoping that it will happen or even merely praying that it will happen, although prayer and hope and faith are a part of it. Revival will come when disciple makers begin to implement and obey the commands of Jesus Christ within their everyday life, not just the commands to not, you know, steal and not kill and, and those kind of things, but the command to go and make disciples, the command to love Jesus uh, as, you know, with your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all of that. I mean, those are, um, those are the things that, that we, uh, that we need to pay attention to and that we need to, to see uh, implemented in order to experience revival the way that we've all dreamed happen. So usually when we begin, and our friends are going to be helping us, that we usually begin by helping people mobilize prayer through a simple tool called the prayer calendar. And so basically what we say is that you have, you make a list of friends, Christian friends that are, you know, 30 of them. And once a day, you're going to reach out to them over by phone to ask them, how are you doing and how can I pray for you? And then you pray with them either on the phone if you're talking to them or texting them if you're texting the prayer if you are doing that. And through that, you can start develop. And if you do that with the same 30 people every month, you're developing prayer relationships with these people and that you can mobilize them to, to, to uh, do the prayer calendar as well. And that can really change the culture of the church. And so we, and all of the people that we have here, they've uh, employed this in their churches. And I want to open up to you guys. First off, welcome. Welcome to our feed. Good for, glad to have you all here. Um, why don't you give a quick mention as to where you are, you guys are hailing from? So we'll start with Noah and then go to Tim, Darian, and then Michael. So go ahead, Noah, tell us who you are, where you're from, and what you do for a living. So, hey, everyone. Noah Jesse here. I uh, live in Chester, Virginia, which is about 15 miles south of Richmond, Virginia, right off of Interstate 95. And I am a, um, a manager in the finance department for Dominion Energy. Nice. Thank you. Tim. Yeah, hello everyone. Uh, I'm Tim Jenry, and uh, I'm a church planter in Hoover, Alabama, at the uh, Parkview Church uh, here. Um, yeah, I've been doing that for the last seven years. I'm a retired teacher. Nice, Darian. Um, my name is Darian Vanek. I'm from Liberty, Texas. Uh, I'm from Cornerstone Church over here, and I'm a second grade teacher. Nice. And last but not least. Mikey D. Uh, yes, I am also in Liberty, Texas. Um, 
I'm the associate pastor at our church, Cornerstone Church, um, where we have been doing DMM for a few years now and really enjoying it. Awesome. Awesome. So guys, you know, give us a beginning shot, uh, a snapshot of what it looked like for you guys, the effects uh, upon you and your churches and the spiritual communities you have in implementing the prayer calendar. Give us a wave if you just want to jump in and let us know. So uh, I'll start. (laughs) Go ahead, Noah. uh, Yeah, so for me, um, I started actually the coaching relationship with uh, Paul back in April this year. And uh, one of the first things he wanted me to do was start the prayer calendar uh, myself, which I did. And then uh, the next uh, session that we had, he asked, okay, so now invite two others into the group. So uh, I did that, uh, invited uh, uh, our senior pastor at uh, church where I attend, as well as our uh, discipleship uh, pastor, I invited uh, them to join me in the prayer calendar. Um, started out, uh, just told them, you know, if you don't have all the names uh, in mind for all 30 days, just start where you are and uh, it will come to you as, as time goes on. So we started there. And then as um, time uh, moved on, uh, we've added a, a couple other folks uh, to the prayer calendar. Uh, just through contacts. One of the things that I uh, found was uh, as I was um, uh, praying for others, they would start to, some folks would actually start to send a note back to me and say, hey, uh, how can we pray for you? And I would uh, share a a prayer thought with them, uh, but also then ask them, hey, would you like to join me on this, uh, this prayer calendar that I'm doing and praying for others? And so it started to grow and expand, um, and it's actually started to get to a point where others are, are uh, joining into the prayer calendar beyond my own invitation. But what it's really doing in the church is um, there, there is, um, uh, you can actually see the numbers of folks increasing in attendance now. And there is also just a really, um, a, a very uh, positive resonance in the, the body uh, as well, which is just giving a really good feeling to uh, church on Sunday mornings. Uh, you're having individuals who come up to you and say, hey, thank you for praying for me. Uh, we really appreciate that. And it's, it's really cool to hear how God's answering a, a lot of the prayers as well. Um, so it's just, it just took off. It, it was, a, it's, it's kind of crazy. So we have about, um, 10 folks now that are participating uh, in the prayer calendar. Um, and uh, uh, it's, it's probably covering uh, the whole church uh, uh, body uh, through that number of uh, people who are participating in the prayer calendar. Awesome. And that's how it goes. It really does change your cult, the culture of a church. It makes them connected and they see answers to prayer and people connect that uh, and, and that faith grows um, so who else, uh, you know, Michael or Tim? Yeah, Michael, you have an experience, a similar experience and everything. So we'd love to hear how you guys have implemented it there. Yeah. So we started out, um, like Noah, uh, when I started coaching with Paul, it was just started out with me. And then, um, I began to, to multiply it out to people and, uh, it's so ingrained in our church culture now. 
I don't even know how many people we have doing it. It's there's, I get sometimes a text from people like, Hey, I'm praying for you today. How can I pray for you? Which is really cool. But, um, yeah, we're seeing, I think for our church, um, we, we were, uh, you know, a praying church before, but I think the prayer calendar helped us be very uh, specific and intentional in praying for others. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think that helps so much. And we actually, you know, we, as we, as this began to multiply out to the church, um, we started seeing lots of answered prayers, um, which helped even multiply it even more because it, people say, oh, this isn't just some little, you know, checkbox we're doing. God's really listening and we're really, we're really talking to God when we do this. And it started to affect other areas of the church in the sense of we had a, a, a Facebook secret group where people would uh, not really post prayers, but say, hey, could you pray for me? And people would just might put praying or something. But as the prayer calendar began to to cycle through the church, people quit just putting like the prayer emojis. They were actually posting prayers. Mm-hmm. And we have a, an, an app like CDM does. And just this plug, I think you should download the Contagious Disciple Making app. It's really helpful. <laughs> um, Thanks, I'm, Mike. I'm not a paid actor either, by the way. <laughs> no, you really should download it because it's helpful. We know. It's super helpful. But... Uh, in our app, we use that. We have uh, and and we have a prayer part of our app where people are. Con- Man, that thing goes off all hours of the night of people in our church praying for each other, praying for people all over the world. And uh, so the prayer calendar that started out with just me has now really fully infiltrated our church and and has um, helped us gauge prayer too. I would say it's a big thing, you know sometimes you're wondering, well, how many people are actually praying? And and through this, you can see who's actually doing prayer each day. That's great. Absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, Michael, it just really, I remember walking through that, us walking through that journey with you and hearing how there's so many different answers to prayer that was coming up through that and how that really started propelling your church even more into disciple making and things like that. Um, so if anybody else, Tim or, or, or anybody else wants to be able to say something that, how did this affect the culture of your church? Yeah, I think for us, um, and as, as a new church plant, we were just trying to build that culture. Um, I couldn't say we have always been that because we were new. Um, but yeah, a lot of people had, uh, been a part of, um, churches before where, um, you know, prayer sounded the same every time you, you, you got up and and prayed and prayers were mainly public. Um, and you know, you might say, I'm going to pray for you, but there was no structure. Uh, so yeah, I think one of the big things I'll never forget, um, uh, one of our members was one day explaining to, her friend uh, a little bit about our church. And since we're very much a DMM church, disciple making movement church, we do things a little differently. So the, uh, her friend was asking, so what does your pastor do? What does, and she turned and looked at her and said, he prays for us. Um, Mm -hmm. So it brings this whole culture of uh, this idea that 
you know, being on our knees for each other is, um, is a big part in it. And it really does. It's, it's allowed our church to move from traditional to disciple making, uh, very smoothly. Absolutely. And, and, you know, so just right that, Tim, you know, uh, it, you can start seeing that being propelled towards, uh, you know, towards disciple making and engagement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Our, our whole, um, that and engagement is where our church has really taken off, uh, as a result of that, you know, people being out in their yards with a fire pit or, um, having, uh, moving a trampoline to the front yard. So kids will stop. Um, and those, those ideas started coming to people, um, having block parties, those type things started having, started coming to people as we were praying and, and, we're talking a fairly massive amount of people who we were not in contact with beforehand. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So as, as you guys have been uh, implementing disciple uh, prayer, it, you know, both you, Michael and Tim, you've started talking about the change in the church culture and how it's now giving an on-ramp to disciple making. And I think that that's I think that that's absolutely phenomenal and and kind of how we we've seen it. The scripture sits there and says to pray for the work uh, for the Lord to send workers into the harvest. And that word uh, to send is the same as to thrust. It's the word that when it said that Jesus drove the demons out into the pigs, that he said to thrust them forcefully forth. And uh, we see as we create that prayer culture. As we're engaging one another in prayer, we're watching people thrust forth into the harvest in ways maybe they didn't. And and one of the you know quieter people on this call right now, I'm going to call out Darian. Um, she's actually one of my heroes in terms of the way that she has been engaging the lost in her community. And I want to give a chance to. She's a member of Michael's Church and uh, down in Liberty, and I got a chance to go out there and to meet all of them. Uh, this, I guess it was the beginning of this year. My goodness, it seems like an age ago and, uh, and everything, but it was a great time hanging out. And Darian, um, could you tell us a little bit about the, you know, how you'd started that discovery Bible study at work? How did that happen? I mean, you walked right in and everybody's like, yes. And they, they opened the Bibles right away. They fell down speaking in tongues and they were completely transformed. I mean, that's, that's kind of how it went, right? I'm going to unmute you. Here we go. Yeah. Um, no, that's not at all how it happened. No, not, not at all. Not at all. So tell us the <laughs> no. real story of that. Well, actually, it was years of working there and communicating with these uh, female coworkers, just not really knowing how to do anything, really. Like, until you came down and shared, I really didn't know how to do anything. Hmm. Um, but I remember the weekend after you came that I was going to go into... Uh, work being intentional and being uh, vulnerable and open and just being like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go be a part of the Great Commission. I was very excited about it. And so I go into work and I know that I'm going to ask a certain question to just one of my coworkers is simply just asking her what she did this weekend. Cause I knew if I did that, she was going to ask me what I did this weekend. And that weekend is that we had the workshop with you. And I, that was my open door to talk about DBS with her. Um, 
we've had spiritual conversations before then, but it was really like an intentional, we're going to talk about DBS today. We're going to. And um, <laughs> it was really quite amazing. And so she ended up agreeing to do DBS with me. Well, that same day, and I have no idea how my boss heard this conversation. She should not have. She was nowhere around. But my boss heard this conversation between me and my other coworker. And that same day, she came up to me asking me if I would do it with her as well. And then, like, months later, I, another one of my coworkers heard about me doing this with my boss and asked me to do it with her as well. And it was just, it was just like a like just train, just going all the way down the track. So it was really cool. And tell me a little bit about your boss. You know, you went in and, and she was like, hey, Darian, come into my office. Was it kind of like that? It was like, and you're yes. like, oh, what, what <laughs> yes. have I done now? <laughs> yeah, it was really funny because we were, how it worked, we were kind of chatting back and forth a little bit. And it was nothing like special or specific about anything. But she like walked away really fast. And then she came back. She's like, I need to see you in the office. We need to talk. And I was like, okay. And I <laughs> went in very nervous and it ended up being her just wanting to read the Bible and get to know Jesus. And it was really cool. <laughs> yeah. Now, as part of the, as part of the DBS, we always ask the question, you know, who do you know that you could share this with? Who did she share with? It was like, you don't see her boss going around sharing the story with everyone in the office. So <laughs> no. what ended up happening there? Well, she it did not, that was not her, uh, or my coworkers were not who she wanted to share it with. She wanted to do it with her family. And then uh, shortly after that, they started doing DBS together. Um, she started doing it with her kids and her husband after. Nice. And, uh, and did, uh, was her husband kind of like, oh man, you know, this DBS thing, this kind of stinks or whatever. What was kind of his, his whole thought about DBS? Well, before they started doing it together, he uh, would question her on why, like, she was doing it. But then she started sharing the stories with him. And he started to see a change in her. And he got really interested after a couple of weeks of just me and her doing it. And so then she started doing it with the kids, and he wanted to do it with them as well. So it was just That's really neat. No, Go ahead, Rebecca. And and, and and Darren, I mean, this is all as a result of, you know, you being now a part of this disciple making community. You know, Paul came down to be able to, to really that the reason why he was doing that over there in Liberty was to be able to kind of thrust forward even more the idea of the disciple making community within inside of your church and really help bring parameters around that. How do you think that helped? you know, you and the rest of the church be able to, to now take the things that God been working on your hearts on and thrust you forward? Uh, well, I, it was definitely not a DBS and disciple making was definitely not like a new concept because it was already coming from uh, pastor Michael. Um, but even still, like it, I didn't know what to do, even if I did have a heart that wanted to do it. And mm -hmm. then it, uh, when he came, it really put a fire in that was like, oh, wait, it's way easier than I'm thinking. I can actually do this. And it puts a boldness in the church, in the disciple makers that are here. I've, I've seen that a boldness comes from what we have here at Cornerstone, at least. Like, yeah. 
yeah, I don't know if that I answered love, your question. <laughs> I, I absolutely yeah. love that. And it's not it's not just the only time we've heard that, too. We've got another member of Cornerstone, Devisha, who wasn't able to be with us today. But I remember Michael, like, calling me later, and he's like, yeah, so uh, I was on our prayer chat thing and found out that Devisha had started the Discovery Bible study with, I think it was a cousin or something like that. And when I called her up, I was like, so Devisha, what was that? She's like, well... I've been having spiritual conversations for a long time and uh, I just didn't know what to do next. And you mm-hmm. told us, she was talking about pastor Michael sat there and told them, you know, to go do a discovery Bible. So she just went out and did it and boom, was able to start it. And I think, and I just want to make this point guys, this story is not unique. I think we got a lot of believers in churches who have been having conversations like Darian has for years and Devisha and others, but they don't necessarily know the next step or the next step they know is invite them to church and people are are saying, no, they're not coming. And so what do you do when the next step of inviting them to church doesn't work or it's not going to happen? Well, you do what Darian did. You did what Devisha did and you sit there and you just invite them to read the Bible. And it's amazing to watch what God can do. Uh, with just that moment of intentionality with that little bit of fire. I like that. I saw a movie once that said, you got to have 30 seconds of courage and that's all you need. 30 seconds of courage and faith. You can move a mountain. And, so, uh, and I think that's really cool. So in that Michael and, and Darian, you know, how has the disciple making community, the ongoing process of having a disciple make, of having disciple making communities, um, really helps your your uh your church now be on mission um well it really helps with intentionality um i think it's so easy for us even still we we have to watch out to not fall into the trap of just going back into doing church the way we've always done it or in our case always having a heart to make disciples we know that's what we're supposed to do but how in the world do we do that so our disciple making communities when they're they're meeting together they're they're praying for one another they're they're really creating a counter a counter a culture of accountability that that is coming from within themselves so it's not just something that's coming from the pulpit you know it's it's them holding each other account, accountable talking about those stories praying for one another um the conversation quadrants i, I can it was phenomenal when we did the summer mission team and we had one big conversation quadrant up on the board to see all the people that were being engaged. Um, kind of just, it, it sent light bulbs off for people because um, I think the other, the other thing that has helped the, the DMC part of it and particularly the conversation quadrants um, is help seeing that, you know, you're not just after some gospel presentation and that's your success. No, your success is that you're constantly engaging these folks that the Lord has led you to, whether they're friends or you met them in hobbies or whatever it is. Um, but you see them move from meaningful conversation to spiritual to discovery. And I think it just helps helps us to stay intentional and continue doing what, what or being obedient to the scripture of making disciples. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, um, I know I just want to open the floor. Anybody, does anybody want to comment kind of on that and, and kind of reflect on even your own journey or your church's journey in disciple making based on kind of what we've heard from Michael and Darian? 
I may call you out, Tim. Okay, so then I am going to call you out, Tim. There we go. Uh, Rebecca's like giving me the nod too. So talk to me, Tim, about your church and what the situation was when we met and then what it is now, because it's very different now. Yeah, I think I would start out just by saying the other day, um, I think it was two Sundays ago, we were in our uh, a group. And we were talking about our, um, you know, why, why the change? And um, it was so phenomenal to hear um, every person in that group said, I could, I could have a study with anybody at the drop of a hat. Um, and that was not where we were. Uh, our people were, would have, we were not active disciple makers. Um, we were a church plant that was, I like to say we were planted backwards, planted without a plan. Let's just go uh, send up a worship minister and uh, a, a few people and see what happens, what sticks. Um, so coming out of the teaching profession, you know, you, you have to have outcomes and uh, expectations and objectives and um, it just didn't make sense to me. So, uh, once we started the discovery process, our, our church was struggling. We had about a, we had our, what we called our Bible class time had shrunk to about 20% of our population showing up for Bible class. Um, it was a lecture style format. People saw basically no use for it, in my opinion. Um, and when we changed to disciple making communities or discovery Bible studies originally, uh, that jumped to 97 to 100 percent attendance uh, for for those. So, I mean, just a massive change because people realized, hey, there is something to being here. There is a purpose. We are work a greater purpose, uh, that accountability that Michael talked about Um is something that that we saw um, that just jumped off the page. And now we've kind of shifted more towards disciple making communities. Um, and yeah, so and, right yeah, there, so I'm going to interrupt you real quick right there, but COVID hit. Yeah, yeah. And just like every pastor in the country. I mean, That's Michael, good. you guys are thinking of something new. Noah, I'm pretty sure your your church is trying to figure out what to do. I mean, everyone was figuring out what to do. Your situation, because of this journey, had brought you to this point. Your solution was a little unique. Could you tell us about what you ended up doing? Yeah, we, um, we were meeting in a rented uh, facility at a library, and... Um, they locked us out basically. And so our people just were not going to do zoom. Um, and fortunately we have a mild enough climate in Alabama to, uh, go outdoors. So we went to, uh, a park pavilion and, um, dropped sermons, decided we weren't going to do that anymore. We had singing and communion and discovery studies as our worship, uh, time. So, it's a two hour time slot and uh, that's our, that's our Sunday worship. We, we have no rent. Um, we have no expenses. Um, you know, the city provides electricity and, uh, and we, we started getting people that were just in the park here in the singing and coming over and joining us. 
um, it was like low hanging fruit, you know, they would come over and join us. And if we could get them to stay for the discovery study, they stayed, you know, they just didn't, they didn't tend to leave after that because, uh, it was so interactive. Yeah. Um, yeah. So imagine this guys, you've got a, a park with kind of an awning type thing and everybody meeting in that awning and, you know, praying and, and worshiping God, but then breaking up into disciple making communities. So they have prayer calendars and they talk about their prayer calendars. They do a full discovery Bible study uh, each time. They have an online uh, database for their I will statements that anyone in the church can read and check in on their each other's I will statements and how they're doing and hold each other accountable. And, uh, and then they go through their conversation quadrants uh, Tim, what has been the effect on, I mean, uh, the effect on the church? Has it grown or has it shrunk? I mean, how, how has that been in terms of people in, both engaged and, and people who are there? Yeah, we, uh, our site, we doubled during that time of COVID and we're still growing. We, um, I had a list of family groups today and I, if I'm right, we're at uh, 30 I, we're, we're all, I think we're 28, uh, family nice. groups, um, which is a massive growth for us because as a, uh, originally before we went into disciple making, I don't think this church stood out. Um, we were just like everyone else, uh, kind of following a, a attractional satellite model. Um, and, this church stood out once we decided we were going to, to become disciple makers. Um, so, yeah. So what we're hearing guys, and I'm going to get Rebecca here on in just a second to comment and take us to our kind of our next place. But what we're hearing is the difference when we began to take disciple making movement principles and integrate it into our, the lives of our people and the lives of our church altogether, it begins to change our church. Uh, we began to see at our average, uh, our average members, people like me, uh, who can go out and do things. You know, uh, me, Darianne, I mean, all of us. We can go out. We can we can start doing stuff. We see prayer calendars and them ministering to one another in between meetings, and as a result, the camaraderie and the community is closer together. And we start to see people coming back we might not have seen before, and we start to see people coming to know Jesus. So implementing movement principles in a church, you don't have to blow up your church. You, you implement the principles within your church, and it actually takes the church and makes it stronger than what Jesus intended it to be from the beginning. Rebecca. So, guys, you know, as we as we close this particular session, but I want to be able to say, like, if there are people right there right now out there watching you give this particular thing, what it what is the thing you really want to say? to the people out there when it comes to your journey in this, when it comes to what they should do, you know, what do you want to say to these people out there? Uh, I'll go with that. Um, what I want to say is most church people I talk to really have the same desire. They want to see the kingdom come to their city, come to their place where they live. And what I want to say to you is, how are you going to how are you going to obey the great commission what what's it going to take for your for you 
and the other believers in your city to see the kingdom come. And it's going to be nothing short of a disciple-making movement. When you, I mean, I met the CDM guys because I would read the book of Acts, being a charismatic, you know, that's our favorite book. Um, (laughs) But I would read the book of Acts and see, you know, Jerusalem being turned upside down and persecution coming and the disciples spreading out all over Judea and into the the uh, the European, Southern European, Eastern European Bay, all that far, making disciples, seeing the kingdom of God spread and move. And I would get so frustrated because, you know, we were we're praying, we're going after the Lord, we're, we're doing everything we know to do, but we're not seeing the results of the book of Acts. You know, you see people come and raise their hand. Yeah, I'm giving my life to Jesus, and I'm even going to join your church. I mean, sign your letter, take your membership class, whatever you have. And then six weeks later, they're gone. Mm. You know, and, and for me, you know, I come from corporate America, so I'm always doing, you know, um, you know, a and D's, which are like, you know, performance analysis and going, <laughs> man, if I was in corporate America, I'd get fired in terms mm. of making disciples because I can't see any sticking around. So <laughs> when I begin to just take that approach and I'm not suggesting people should be fired. I'm just saying for me, I, I was wanting to see the same results that the book of Acts had and implementing and learning about DMM and how to follow obedience-based discipleship mm-hmm. um, has really just helped. It's helped me not be frustrated as a pastor. I mean, because I'm seeing our, our people are, are having testimonies of, of not, Hey, I went and gave a gospel present. Hey, I'm, I met this person and shared this story with them. And, and, you know, I, I'm, I can't wait to see them and talk to them again it's, to see people that were, um, trying to get their eyeballs outside of the four walls and look out, they were actually, they're actually getting out and impacting those they work with, their neighbors and everything. So we're now seeing the, the book of Acts. I mean, we haven't had an Ephesus in chapter 19 yet, yet. <laughs> but we are seeing our people run with this. And I can tell you as a pastor, look, we tell the people all the time, we want you to pray and we want you to engage the lost. That's, and I, I'll say, you know, October's Pastor Appreciation Month. And I always tell them, don't give me a plaque. Pray and engage the lost. <laughs> and that'll be enough appreciation. Um, so if you're out there listening and you're just, you, you're reading the word of God, you're seeing what God can do through people. I encourage you, take this journey into finding out how easy it is. To, to make disciples, not that it's without challenge. I will tell you, it's the moment you decide to do this, the spiritual warfare is going to amp up and mm-hmm. going to come at you. I'm not saying it's easy in the sense of like, hey, you know, everything's a, 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 a bed of roses. But what I am saying is you will see um, you and, and the community you're in begin to engage lost people and see the kingdom of God truly come. Uh, making disciples, seeing people, praying for people, seeing healings, uh, people set free and following God and obeying the scripture. And the most important thing, reproducing themselves, um, which will be the, the catalyst, which is what Paul was talking about when we started this, about what revival will actually look like. 
Well, that I, I well said, Michael. Well said. Does anybody want to hop in and, and say something that they would like to be able to tell the people out there to encourage them in this journey to? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. I'll say that um, this this whole thing is we're just supposed to be on an adventure, right? Jesus set up this very adventurous mission for us to be on. And it's about connecting with people who don't know him. Uh, and, and so each day it's, it's like, it's, it's like, what have you got in store for me? And what is your, um, what is your plan, God? And so, you know, coming out of the teaching coaching world, you know, one of the things that I, I knew was that, um, in, in tough stuff like this, you definitely need a coach. I, I could not do this. I could not do ministry without having Paul as my coach or someone filling that role because I'm, I'm not natural, right? I had to learn what it took. And so in a, in a tough, uh, in a tough environment where you're really struggling to win against a spiritual enemy, um, that's a great deceiver, a great liar. You know, when, when Satan is in your face, you have to have a coach to help you. And so this has been, this, this has been key. And I think some people have mentioned the, the idea of process. What are my next steps? You know, as a coach, you always want to know what my next steps are. And you guys have laid out. It is just so simple for me to explain this process to my church because there are next steps and the next steps are not difficult in the fact of, I can't remember them. The next steps are difficult in the fact that I'm up against a spiritual adversary. And so, yeah, we need each other. And so, you know, just, just having those accountability things, I think that Michael also mentioned um, as a, as a pastor and, and coming back to being able to hold people uh, accountable, but really to have them hold each other accountable and, and knowing their next steps. It's just a, it's phenomenal. It is so much better than just showing up on Sundays, right? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Tim, for that. And, and all of you guys that have been here with us, um, these are dear friends that have walked with us on journey and guys out there, you guys out there, we would not be able to uh, walk along them with this journey without uh, supporters like you. So remember to be supporting us during uh, the Giving Tuesday uh, today. But thank you so much, guys, for coming, and Darian as well. And uh, we look forward to continue hearing more of your story uh, as we go along. So, uh, guys, uh, you know, those of you out there, you know, what we're talking about is that we want to take churches and turn them into hubs for making disciples. Hubs to train people and equip people and knowing how to be able to make disciples. And, you know, we, we want to be able to shift that and be able to see that happen. In fact, we think that there are key cultural shifts that a church should be should do. And that as they go through these key cultural shifts, as a uh, disciple maker, as a church, they'll be able to, to see this uh, church go from a traditional 
everything comes in. People are consuming Christianity and said they're going out there and that they're loving their neighbors and they're making disciples. And not the first one we believe in this key shift is the small group that whether it's uh, the overall church because it's small, like for instance, in Tim's uh, situation, or if it's a larger church and now you're talking about small groups, that you're using the disciple-making community format in order to be able to help people learn disciple-making, to be able to learn how to be able to develop relationships with the lost and pray together over those things. Uh, But the other two, two things that we say that can really shift uh, a church into being disciple makers is that as um, having a celebration, a prayer and celebration for disciple making that we are, you know, as they're saying through the prayer culture, and then also, even if there is a worship time, in other words, a singing time mm-hmm. together that they can say, what is a, you know, Jim, why don't you come up and share a story about that? Uh, tell us about how you engage with your neighbor this past week. And you could come up and talk about how he had a great spiritual conversation with him and how uh, not, and asking, you know, could you p- thank you for praying for me? Could you please now pray for me to have a deeper conversation with them and lead the church in a 30 second prayer over that? And now begin to say, praise the Lord of what's been what's been done. Let's continue on singing. And that kind of constant telling of stories of what we're doing. Paul and I do not have a community meeting that doesn't start with what we call celebrations. So in right. other words, that we we say, okay, guys, who has stories about how, what God is doing through our efforts in making disciples? And it doesn't matter whether someone's like, I had a great prayer calendar answer. Or I had a great meaningful conversation with someone who doesn't know Jesus. My Discovery Bible group did really great this past week. There's a baptism. They ended up coming to know Jesus. Yay. You know, and I, whenever somebody said, you know, tells their story, we all have noisemakers and we met and we make noise with those noisemakers. And it's such a place of encouragement and thrusting forward on these particular elements. And so, guys, um, this celebration does that. And the last thing that, that we want to mention is a focus on local missions. So, you know, we, it's so important for us to think about the nations out there, but what about our local communities? And well, so now the activities of the, of the church are more focused in the community as opposed to inside the church building. It was like we were talking with Justin Mast earlier today. And when Kaya wanted to go and to be a part on mission, he's like, stay here. And she is reaching her own people in ways that Justin and their team couldn't. We've got Darianne who'd been going for a while, but didn't know a next step. And she's starting to, uh, to be able to make disciples. Three discovery Bible studies. One is multiplied to a second generation as a result of engaging the way that she should. I mean, so this idea of seeing missions is not just something that you go to do, but something that, you, that inhabits you and inhabits your day is so crucial to changing a church. And as we do this, Rebecca and I believe as we walk through these processes together, we will see revival come to our churches because we'll be living out the Great Commission and Great Commandment. Not just the pastors, not just the leaders, not just the super Christians, but everyday ordinary people will know what to do and how to bring glory to God in their everyday life. Thanks for listening to the CDM podcast and supporting us on Patreon. 
For coaching or other resources, connect with us at ContagiousDiscipleMaking.com or download the Contagious Disciple Making app. Join us in the journey of becoming world-changing disciple makers.